0: Hello, listeners, and welcome to another week's podcast from Wynn, entitled ESG123. This is Max Kiefer. As a refresher, I'm the host of the podcast. And this week, we are very excited to have Michael Strong uh, from Penkow. How's everything going, Michael?
1: Hey, Max. Good morning. It's going great. I'm uh, over here in Oakland, California this morning, man. Nice to see you again. I- I'm I love glad that. we're not strangers, right? I'm glad it hasn't been like two years and we've got this awkward. Hey, friend. How are you? <laughs> that's right what's changed in the last five years yeah (laughs) all right i have a big sign next to my monitor that says max don't forget the host's name
0: (laughs) that's right whatever he wants to call himself um okay so we do want to get into a little bit more of a background we heard a little bit more of a background on you um but uh just i'm familiar with pankow just in us staying in touch Uh, but if you could just give a little bit maybe a refresher an overview for our listeners Uh, what Panko has been focusing on and and what they've been pulled into recently.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Max. Yeah, so Panko is a 60-year-old general contractor based in Pasadena, California, down south, originally founded in the 60s by Charles Panko, who has since passed on. And we like to consider ourselves, kind of sounds funny, so you got to listen in close, but we like to consider ourselves a small, big general contractor. So what I mean by that is um, we can play with the big boys and girls on the projects in excess of $100 million. We just don't play with them across the country or across the world. And we typically only have one or two of those projects going at a time. But we go all the way down to the small uh, bread and butter tenant improvements, do a lot of seismic, a lot of historic preservation, a lot of things in between. I think the common thread between the projects that we do in the South and up here in the Bay Area, in Southern California, in the Bay Area, is it's all relationship based, right? So we're not a commodity. We're not competing on price. We're trying to compete and we do it very well on service.
0: Nice. Well said. Um, so, and I know we got partnered on a number of projects. Um, so, to our listeners tuning in, Uh, I was at Healthy Buildings International for about 10 years or so. So Michael's been a a great resource in that and collaborating with different vendors. Uh, It is a a nice segue. I I usually bring up different industry organizations that both myself and WIND are involved in. Uh, Are you making it over to Verge by any chance down in San Jose
1: this upcoming week? Actually, I'm not. I mean, you know the Bay Area, right, Max? I mean, San Jose. It's like it, it's Southern California. It's way too yeah. far. It is. It's like <laughs> Southern California. Fortunately, we have offices down in Southern California, so I'm optimistic we've got somebody in attendance. But no, I'm not going to be down there. What are we missing? Got it. But I'm well, I missing I by being a San Francisco, Oakland guy.
0: I'll I'll handle that one. We'll we'll reconvene at Greenbuild up here in San Francisco. Moscone Center is going to be a little bit closer to your neck of the woods, but. Verge getting into both the technology and the sustainability aspect. Uh, I'm still uh, doing the, the public transportation. So I'll, I'll take the BART down there from Oklahoma and be easy for me. Very cool. Very um, cool. But you know, I, I think we've connected a number. I know we have at a d- number of different events. Uh, Net Zero, we had uh, Drew Shula, who's the CEO of Vertical, who puts on the Net Zero conference. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't make that one, but we are getting pulled into ULI, uh, as well as RealCom and a few other ones. So uh, I think at a, uh, maybe a high level, if you could talk about the different industry organizations that both yourself and Pankow are involved in, and maybe that's a, a segue into the Pankow foundation as well.
1: Yeah. Gosh, Max, you know, we could spend the afternoon just talking about industry associations because there's so many and there are so many good people doing good things with good organizations. I just wish I didn't have a day job so I could just go to all these meetings. Right. But I I think whether you're new to the industry and you're trying to find your career path or you've been in the industry a while. I th- it's some of the ones that really, I feel passionate about one is the DBIA design build Institute of America. You know, back in the day, we did a lot of uh, design, bid, redesign, rebid, <laughs> redesign, you know, we call it design, bid, build, and then you end up with the general contractor that gives you the lowest price or, or it doesn't get built. And the DBIA was founded on the principles and actually Panco Foundation, or Panko was uh, one of the founding members of the DBIA, right? So it's design build, which means you bring the architect, you bring the general contractor together, and the owner points them in a the true north, and collectively they figure out how to design to a given budget. And design bid uh, build, you see it less and less in the market today, and you just see more and more design build. So we really feel passionately about the design build Institute of America. And then my favorite, you know, that you just mentioned the net zero energy conference down in Los Angeles Um, and a cute story here. Uh, Eight years ago, I was living in Santa Monica and I went to the first net zero energy conference that the vertical group put on. There was about 100 people in attendance and I met a guy there who was a speaker from Panco Builders and him and I connected. And within two months of meeting him serendipitously at this conference, they were moving me up to the Bay Area. Nice. And I've been it. here for the last eight years. So, you know, when, you know, we say, oh, it's easier to do a Zoom. I don't want to get on a plane. I don't want to drive. I don't want to be around people. You know, there's a reason these conferences are so successful and they have. been. it's because, you know, we've got to get together and shake hands and break bread and hug and commiserate and celebrate together. And that conference now today, I don't know what, Max, you tell me, it was 2,000 people are in attendance. That is right. The yes. L.A. Convention Center hmm. Yeah. So those those are two right there uh, that I feel super strongly about. Nice. Perfect. Um, so uh,
0: that's a, another segue. There's a number of conferences. Even wind is getting pulled into the East Coast ones. Uh, we are in 100 different countries now. Uh, I grew up Midwest and then uh, did my undergrad now masters at Colorado Ah, uh, for your reading pleasure, I am in the alumni magazine this month, so I, I'll forge oh, you over that. The, the interview of me. The the tables have been turned, but I like um, that you you had hit on Southern California. You obviously uh, did a, a, a fair amount, a, a lot of work in Texas as well, which I think was more on the residential side. Yeah. So yeah. Just maybe give a little bit more of a step back, maybe not as much as Drew Shula did, but just kind of an overview of how you made your way to Northern California and what you picked yeah. up from Texas.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, so I grew up in the San Fernando Valley down South in in Southern California. Uh, Primarily because of an earthquake, we left the state and I found myself uh, spending a good deal of time in Texas, growing up in Texas, came back to California for grad school, went back to Texas to start my own business, primarily custom homes, lead only design, build renovations, right? Those were a couple of common threads. And uh, I realized I realized I wasn't happy, and I missed California, so I ultimately came back. And I think one, you know, many many data points I can take out of having lived and worked in Texas is um, I think the one that I'd like to share with my listeners the most, especially because most of my personal projects at Panco are in San Francisco, is is the topic of unions, right? So you know, the mother's milk that my business was built on was non-union craftspeople, non-union laborers. And I was, I didn't know what I was talking about, but I was an anti-union guy (laughs) because I was in Texas and I was stupid and I didn't know any better, right? So I came out here and had to deal with unions for the first time. And it's amazing, you know, a guy or today a gal with a nail bag on, it doesn't matter if they're in Texas or California. I find that those that I get to visit with and meet with and collaborate with on the job site, it doesn't matter if they're union or non-union. They take pride in their work. Nobody wants to get injured. Everybody wants to do a good job. It doesn't matter if you union or non-union, right? That Just the level of craftsmanship is just, it's fantastic. I've learned on these commercial projects with the union, you can at least be assured they're not going to show up in flip-flops. <laughs> they're not going to show up and cut off t-shirts, right? They're going to bring their tools and their materials. So yes, there is a higher level of training, And there is a higher level of competence, I believe, at the baseline when you're talking about the people in the field. But at the end of the day, union and union, you know, there are brothers and sisters out there just building really, really cool stuff. Um, When somebody says they don't build it like they used to anymore, I say, yeah, you're right. They build it a heck of a lot better. Uh, And so, yeah, so that that was really that was really a great reminder that it it doesn't matter. It's not union or manager. You know, we're all in this together. Uh, So I love working with the, with the union people here and posted recently on LinkedIn, you know, about on Labor Day, right? The weekend, thanks, thank a union for the weekend, right? It's because of the unions that we have the weekend that we all get to enjoy today. So there's a lot of history that needs to be respected on, on the role they've played in the fabric of our society
0: i'm glad you brought that up and i need to do my research as well Uh, i i need to dig into it more so thank you for the reminder there it's good for our listeners um one of the other aspects uh, i think we've connected mainly in office space in the past uh we had referenced uh healthy buildings and i did a brief stint over at cbre Uh, i'd say a lot of the work that we're doing was office space Uh, I did, and I'm sure this number is changing. Cushman-Wakefield just came out with a stat that downtown Oakland has maybe 40-some-odd percent vacancy at the moment. Uh, Wind has gotten pulled into different directions. So it was the first time that I got involved in senior living, uh, a lot more on the residential. We're doing a lot more with schools. Uh, I had mentioned in a previous podcast, I think part of that is because they're getting funding, uh, both regionally and nationally, uh, to actually put money towards HVAC and ventilation and air quality in general. So- uh, I think that's really where I wanted to pick your brain in terms of Pankow. You talked about it a little bit at the at the beginning, uh, but just how you see commercial real estate, prop tech, clean tech evolving in those different verticals, uh, and if the significant portion is still getting pushed towards uh, office space.
1: Wow, wow, that's a bunch. Yeah, you know, Max, uh, during the last downturn, oh eight, oh nine, two thousand and ten. Panco made a deliberate move towards diversification to get more involved in public works projects and we were very successful in doing so right we built the new department of public safety building in san francisco we did the seismic renovation of war memorial veterans hospital we did central shops i mean very very impressive resume for the projects that we've done in partnership with the city of san francisco Um, but people have caught on to that now right so it that's not a Panco market you know we're not one of the two or three GCs that are getting that business now, right? Everybody has realized uh, the importance of diversification, and so now we're looking at the same thing, right? Now our concern is: were we too diversified? Were we too dependent on on commercial? Were we too dependent on the city of San Francisco with everybody competing for that business right now? So, you know, I'd like to say I have the answers, but I don't, right? We're we're trying to figure it out. Um, but some numbers that that I'd love to share with you briefly. I hope I sent those to you. It was reading in the Chronicle uh, just a couple of weeks ago. In 2018, before COVID, the city of San Francisco issued 184 permits for projects larger than $5 million, and they totaled $7.3 billion. Last year, or, or this year, 42 permits, right? A quarter of those permits for $5 million, representative of only $1.4 billion volume, right? That's down 70%. It's, it's huge. It's, it's crazy. What a, what a big number that is, you know, that drop. And I was watching a, in fact, I haven't finished. I was watching a, a Gensler video on repositioning of commercial assets, right? From vacancy to vibrancy. And Max, I'm going to send you the link when I finish the video. It's an hour long. It is amazing what human ingenuity is doing and how we're responding. You know, you, you might be pulling your hair out. I might be pulling my hair out. Come back to work. Wait a minute. You're, you're at home in the office. I'm the one at work. So I'm like, back, get your backside into your office, right? You're the reason we have this problem, man. Um, but there's a lot of smart people trying to figure this out. And, you know, we before COVID, we had too many office buildings. It's become apparent now we have too many office buildings. And the irony of you walking down the streets of San Francisco and seeing people sleeping on a sidewalk in front of an empty office building. It's unfathomable to me (laughs) that you've got this juxtaposition, right? It's, it's crazy. So we're going to figure it out. Those office buildings, a lot of them are perfectly configured to be residential. We're going to, you know, I'm in it for the long haul. You're in it for the long haul, San Francisco, the Bay area is a good buy long-term. We're going to see less people on the streets than we grew up with. And we're going to see more people in those buildings. They just want all the office buildings. True.
0: Um, so you also made a good point, and, and I'll preface by saying I'm I'm the least technology tech savvy person here in the Bay Area. But to our listeners, uh, we will incorporate the link to the video of the, the Gensler video to uh, both Apple and Spotify when you click on and go into the individual podcasts. Oh, cool. Very nice. Uh, yeah. So we'll make sure that everyone has access to it as well. Um, one of the the segues there is that um, for as little as I knew about technology, um, it is an area that I love to nerd out on. Uh, you and I have definitely nerded out on technology as it's evolved here. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say that Healthy Buildings, we had the CEO of Healthy Buildings, Simon Turner, and he was talking about how either archaic uh, it was or antiquated to bring in indoor air quality monitoring devices. Sometimes from a construction standpoint, they're even the size of a suitcase. Uh, wind obviously focus on air quality monitoring. Uh, the Not only the costs have dropped, but the ease of implementation, putting sensors into the marketplace has obviously changed uh, how prop tech is evolving. So we had talked a little bit about um, technology in the construction world. You obviously know it a lot better than I do. Uh, we talked about not only doing indoor air quality um, monitoring indoors, but outdoors. I, I think tremendous um, uh, progress has been made about job sites in general, even job trailers. But uh, maybe that's a poorly worded way of me handing it over to you to talk about technology and specifically in the construction world and how you've seen it evolved in, in your last 5, 10, 15 years. And no one has the crystal ball, but some of the things that you're most excited about coming in, in the future.
1: Yeah, right. Well, th- uh, three of them off right off the top, top of the hat. Tip of the bat, I forget what it is. I'm with you. Of the but, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for working with me on that, Um Yeah, one of them, One of them, twofold is robotics, right? We uh, have used robots uh, on one of my projects in two applications. Uh, one of them is for layout, robotic layouts uh, by Dusty, robotics, right? With the way we normally do it is you walk out onto a concrete foundation and two guys grab two ends of a colored string and they pull a measuring tape and they pull that string and it leaves a chalk mark this is real (laughs) this is the baseline on how we do it right so instead we can have robots do the layout it'll be quicker union union operated robots uh it can all be uploaded to the cloud accessible to everybody you can lay out walls doors anything that you can measure you can lay out and then the second robotic application is with canvas where they do the drywall sanding both of these technologies are not perfect for all projects but they're good for large projects that have repetitive layouts or big walls that need dusting right if you have ever visited a job site when you have workers out there sanding the drywall and you see the cloud of dust and the respirators and the bunny suits that they're wearing and how it impacts everybody on that job site you will be very supportive and you know there is a shortage of good qualified craftspeople in this industry. This isn't taking anybody's jobs. These are union jobs in the Bay area and they're moving people up the food chain, utilizing that technology. And, um, you're going to hate me for this, but the, but the third technology is the wind technology, right? I'm I'm, going to throw this at you. And you said, don't talk about that, but I don't care. I want to talk about it because I promised you, I would get one of these units into one of my job site trailers before the end of the year. And it's still going to happen right? Air quality index. You can look on your phone and see what the AQI is today right now. And when the wildfires come into the Bay Area, you do not want to be anywhere near this place. And yet our workers are out there because there is no standard that says, hey, when it gets too bad, the workers can leave the job site as well. So they're out there breathing that orange smoke that we're all looking at on our computers in our offices that have fresh ventilated air and filtered air, right? But the workers don't. So being able to monitor that, it's not if it's gonna come, it's how quickly it's gonna get mandated
0: because they deserve it.
1: So yeah, yeah,
0: you guys are doing some cool stuff there, thanks. Well said, our pleasure, good to hear. Um, So this is kind of coming full circle in a closer to the, I gotta give a shout out to one of our uh, analytics uh, gentlemen who came up with the title for the podcast of ESG 123. So I think we did a good job of not throwing too many acronyms out to the listeners, but, uh, we do get a lot of people that are new to sustainability and environmental social governance in general. Some of the individuals are really just starting their career and really looking at what is the aspect. It might not be specific to general contracting or indoor air quality monitoring, um, but what would be some of your overarching ideas, uh, recommendations to somebody listening into this podcast? if they were there, I won't date you too much on the years, but starting their career and really getting on to school and getting their bearings on what this industry is doing.
1: Yeah. Well, number one, if I was a woman, I would say this industry is waiting for you with open arms, huge, huge opportunity uh, for women in this industry. There are a lot of very good general contractors, just like Panko that embrace women from the field level, entry level role straight out of straight out of school all the way up to senior director and and C-suite position. So there is a ton of opportunity for women in this industry. Second thing is if you have any sense of, uh, you know, a desire to get into technology, this, is, this industry represents the best marriage between white collar and blue collar. At the end of the day, somebody still has to get out on that beam of steel with a torch or with a wrench and tighten that bolt. But the technology that enables them to do that once the right way is... Absolutely mind blowing. Um, so there's great opportunities for women. There's great opportunities if you're a technology geek, and then you know this is going to sound really trite, Max, but if you want to change the world, right? If you really want to be part of ESG and be part of designing and building fabulous structures that make people healthier, that make people happier, that bring joy to people's lives, whether it's eight to five, eight a.m. to five p.m., or five p.m. to eight a.m. I mean, look, look at the structure behind you, that Golden Gate Bridge, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to be part of that? So you you can be part of that in this industry. You can be part of designing and building and financing some really substantive, world-changing structures. It, it, just great people. It's just, it's so dynamic. It's so much fun. I, Friday afternoons, people are like, yeah, it's finally Friday. And I'm like, yeah, it's finally Friday. And they're like, why are you happy? And I'm like, cause it's one day closer to Monday. And they're like, we hate you. We hate you. <laughs> you know, I wake up before my alarm on Monday morning, man. I love the people in this industry. I, you know, I love working with you, man. You know, I love is, it. This is great.
0: Well, so there's two things on a closer there. One for uh, the industry crew commercial real estate women's network. Uh, we did have Kina David as a guest a few weeks ago uh, that is nice. uploaded to their industry. So please to our listeners check out that. Uh, And I will give a a compliment to Michael here is um, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on not only a a wealth of knowledge in this space, but you maintain your cool, even under the stressful situations (laughs) that we're facing. So uh, with that, listeners, we come to a close, Uh, encourage uh, the group to tune in and listen to upcoming weeks. Uh, I believe the next one is with Dane Baker over at EcoCart. Uh, But once again, Michael, great. Uh, Thanks for carving out some time here. I'll handle Verge, but we'll see you at uh, the Green Build Happy Hour. Hey, that sounds great, Max. Have a great day.